welcome back to another episode of Chats with the Starving Artist. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. Thank you guys for all the feedback, the ratings, the positive vibes, the love. Thank you to all my guests um, and everybody that's just here listening. In this episode, it's a special episode, we actually go back down to Atlanta for the A3C conference and festival where I moderated a Brands Break Artist panel. We had an interesting discussion about brands being the new A&Rs, are they? Um, How they break artists, the importance of artists working with brands, how it's valuable for brands to work with artists and creatives of all different disciplines. So yeah, without further ado, check out the episode. Hi guys, good afternoon. How's everybody doing today? Good, good, good. Uh, My name is Ian Davis. Uh, I'm a New York-based creative consultant uh, with a company called the Starving Artists Initiative. Um, I'm passionate about helping people, creativity and culture. So I started that consultancy to uh, serve as a go-to resource to the creative community, creatives of all different disciplines, people in music as well, um, and providing opportunities for them through, and, and people on the brand side as well. So helping brands and agencies with resourcing and procurement of creative talent, creative strategy and direction and execution, um, and then also consulting with artists uh, independently as well, helping them figure out ways to launch their creative business, create sustainability over time, and really make things happen and take it to the next level outside of just like, you know, your normal creative discipline. So we have a a bunch of amazing gentlemen here today, and I'm just going to start here from from right to left, uh, let you guys briefly introduce yourselves, and then we're going to break into the conversation if that's cool with you guys. And I kind of like hate this like panel thing. Um, is it cool if we like for the production? Can we like switch up and just like sit in the front, and, like move these chairs? Because this is like so. I don't. I'm not really feeling these vibes. Are you guys cool with that? No, we'll just move up in front of the table and just grab the mics. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's let's do that. Let's move in front of the table so you guys can like feel us. Pause. But um. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, this is this is a little bit better, man. Go ahead, James. Introduce yourself. <laughs> All right, so uh, great introduction. Um, um, one, I'm just uh, I'm blessed to to be here speaking with you all today. Um, James Cuthbert, originally from upstate New York, Rochester, New York. Um, been in marketing for about ten years. I worked with at-risk kids before that for about five. Um, probably the most you could say famous work I've done is I created Obey Your Verse on Sprite. I launched that year one and year two, so I had a chance to work with Drake and Nas and J. Cole and Tupac's estate and Biggie and Rakim and a bunch of different artists. Uh, But more importantly, got to help create that structure within Coke to allow hip hop to thrive again, um, like it did back in the 90s, and we'll get into it a little bit more, so thanks. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, John Miller with Swisher Suites. really representing the Swisher Suites Artist Project here. Um, thanks, man. <laughs> get a lot of that here. <laughs> We're uh, relatively new as an organization to music, uh, especially, you know, more of the urban music, uh, more of actually putting a process and program in place. So I do have my part of my team here in the second row, so just want to thank them for all the hard work we've done on developing out this platform. Uh, it's, it's really been excellent, and uh, very glad to be here at A3C again. Um, this is an incredibly important consumer base that we're targeting, and that's really hopefully what I can bring to you guys is some information on engaging with uh, a medium to large company, um, how that might look in your professional development, um, some things to do and not do. Um, but really not music people. My, my music professionals are over here. They know the music business. We know sort of the engagement side of consumer businesses. Um, and hopefully, you know, I won't, won't waste your time here for an hour, but hopefully I can give you some insights into how we think and how we get to our consumer base, and in some way how that can help you then engage with companies like ours. So thank you. Cool. Uh, I don't like normally speaking on a microphone, but my name is Bijan. I represent uh, Boost Mobile. I appreciate you guys, and especially A3C, lining the brand with the sponsorship. And I don't know, originally from Oakland, was a photographer in high school, ran into two guys, said, we're going to be the next biggest rappers in the world. I said, yeah, okay. Turned out to be the loonies. I got five on it, came out from there, went on to work for Fader, The Source, Rap Pages is a hip-hop photographer. From there, proceeded to work at the labels for Tommy Boy, Priority Rap A Lot, been on tour with everybody from the Ghetto Boys 
to Snoop, Tice, Cube, and so on, and no college, formal education, just learned the whole business from behind the camera, then went into brand integration, brand partnerships, and now I'm the lifestyle brand manager at Boost, so anything that plays within the entertainment space, athletic space, that's kind of my world and my realm, so proud to represent a solid brand that's always been aligned with the culture, and that's it. Hard to follow that. This is on. All right. Thanks, Bijan. Uh, my name is Dan Resnick. Uh, I work at Complex Media Networks, whatever you want to call it. Um, I uh, probably, I guess, started off here at uh, Emory, then went to law school, was a lawyer for about a year, and then uh, went into artist management full time, was managing the rapper Stally uh, from MMG, and then um, about two years ago, Started working at Complex. Uh, I do talent, m talent booking and outreach uh, for the marketing department. So it's across. It's not just music. It's across all verticals. Um, we work with all different types of clients, from you know all the guys that are sitting here. Um, we're all over the place. We're working on a big event right now called ComplexCon that we're really excited about in November. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's great to be here. Dope. Well, thank you guys, and uh, thanks again to A3C for allowing us to do this. I think I, you know, I want to start off talking about, um, you know, looking at the name of this this conversation, Brands Break Artists. Um, so I'll just kind of kick off with Dan. I have a really good sense of familiarity with him, but and, and then we can kind of trickle it down to everybody else too. Dan, do you think you know the work that you're doing with Complex and looking at specifically your role? Um, right. So, you know, Dan, a lot of the times works with a lot of uh, complex brands or a lot of complex brand clients and figuring out like the music talent that they're going to book for whatever those uh, those projects are. So, Dan, are you seeing brands and even like media companies like complex, like being now the new A&Rs um, and, and in that, you know, because if you look at the, the new landscape of media and the new landscape of music, you know, it's not like, hey, here's my demo. Let me know if you like it. It's not sitting outside of a radio station anymore trying to get some spins of your, of your record. Now it's, you know, it's companies like The Fader. It's companies like Complex. Um, it's Rolling Stone. It's a bunch of different outlets that are really publishing and kind of putting people on to the artists. So are brands and our media agencies now like serving as an A&R of, of sorts? Do you, do you, what do you think? I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And I think it is kind of fair to put it that way. But... It's probably on the individuals that are in those departments and whether they're trying to make efforts to kind of like be that. Um, right. Myself, I would say that I definitely try and get ahead of trends and ahead of the curves when it comes to talent because I think it makes us look good and it, it excites me when somebody that I have championed then goes on to be successful or blows up because then it's like, yeah, I was right. You know what I mean? So um, that's definitely a way that I look at it. I can't necessarily speak for others that are in similar positions. But, um, you know, working at Complex, a place that tries to be on top of the culture. And then we also have websites like Pigeons and Planes, which is more like emerging uh, music talent, as well as like First We Feats, which is like uh, culinary talent and stuff like that. We're always trying to be ahead of, you know, trends in the marketplace. So. I would I would say that's an accurate kind of like way of looking at it for sure. Okay, Bijan and John, like with the programs and initiatives that you guys have rolled out respectively with your your companies and your brands. Um, to Dan's point, you know I think with the Swisher Sweets project, you guys are are facilitating artists really on their own developmental side, right? With that grant that you give, um, but do you guys help? You know, with the, with the projects you've rolled out, have you helped any of the development? So when you look at an A and R, it's generally like procuring and finding talent, right? But then it's also like helping shepherd them through the music recording process and helping them get an understanding of the business. Is that you know, and when if you're when you're with your guys' uh, respective initiatives, have you guys helped on the developmental side other than monetarily? And it both it's for both of you, yeah. Bijan and John. You can go first. Okay. Yeah, it's a great question, and it's sort of the. Uh, Genesis of the Artist Project. When I saw the name of this workshop, you know, it was Brands um, 
brands breaking artists. I, I kind of looked at that and really thought about it after our conference call last week that you had, Ian, um, because this this discussion could have also been brands brands breaking brands and how do artists fit in, or it could have been artists and brands breaking together. And that was the last one that I really liked the best because from our perspective and what we're trying to do is how do we take, you know, this group of consumers we know we have, who we know we have affinity for music. Um, I'll throw one question out to the group. Can any of you tell me how many urban songs have Swisher Sweets in the lyrics? <laughs> okay, just guess. Take a guess. Is there an actual number? Yes, I know it. Thousand. <laughs> Fifty. Fifty you're, you're not, you're not 7,000? 2,700. Okay. So, I, you know, I'm not even that great of a marketer. I can figure that one out, right? right, right. <laughs> I got to be in music. So, you know, you think about that, brands and artists breaking together, core group of consumers. You now have this channel of distribution of your content and our content together, right? We have digital, web, social. The opportunities for artists today, I, I would say, have to be greater than ever to have reached really a scalable audience. So that's really was the basis and genesis of our discussions on the artist projects. How do we take this emerging group of talent who we know has infinity for our brands? How do we kind of engage with them, put something out that's really beautifully done, super professional, um, give them an opportunity to expand their craft, and then get to the core consumers who find it interesting? I mean, it, it's not it's not a crazy platform, but if it's not done right, and you know, I know James talks about authenticity, critical in this project. It has to be real. It has so it's to be like right. it's like backdoor marketing essentially. It's well, you know, I, I think it it's, might you're communicating with somebody through the music with your brand versus directly advertising to them and saying, "Hey, buy some social sheets next time you want to smoke." Well, I'll tell you, you know, for a lot of companies, um, but it, that discussion was had. I mean, it was like, okay, what role does the product play, right? What role does the product play in what we do on the digital side? And for anybody who's seen our convenience store sessions, you know, where we actually have pop-up live concerts in a convenience store. We did them with Nova Rockefeller, and you know they're, they're absolutely fantastically beautiful really shot. Yeah. They're really cool. You do not see the cigar. You do not see people smoking. You do not see overt product placement. Um, a lot of them are shot in, like uh, when we did Fantastic Negritos in Oakland, uh, he wanted to go into, probably a store you've been in, he wanted to go into the store that he used to shop in growing up, and he wanted to shoot it there. So we did it, and it's, it's totally cool. To finish off on your question, though, um, so through the Swisher Suites Artist Project Academy, which is an education portal basically, and, and actually the, the really the authors of the data are here. Um, it's about teaching artists, you know, five or six different pods of information, you know, how to do certain things. Um, the grants are about developing out your art. Um, one of the key things, if you can take away from anything I talked to you about, is how do you continue the relationship? with a brand like Swisher or Sprite or anyone else who you you know you can get engaged with. That's the critical piece that I see missing right now in the artist world is just not an understanding of how do you take the relationship from doing one whatever it is, one project, one thing, and keep it going. Um, that to me has been probably not frustrating, but it's been challenging because with digital, web, social, and it's pretty much out there, you can see what all of our companies are doing. How do you continue that conversation? How do you stay engaged? How do you well, keep doing I it? I think, I mean, to that point, right? Like, again, like, I don't want this to be like crazy formal as so we're sitting in front of the table. But to that point, I think it has to be longer term engagement, right? It can't just be, hey, we have this music initiative that we want to do and we want to work with a musician for it and just kind of help elevate whatever our marketing objectives are. Like, why not contract these music, these musicians to now, you know, whether com compose or score, you know, the spot that you're doing or put together like a legitimate sort of music platform, uh, you know, for, for a longer term engagement versus just a one off. And I often find just how I work generally, um, and this has been my challenge when I sat on the agency side is um, a lot of people like John, so you guys kind of know John is, is, a, is a top level marketing executive, so he makes a lot of the decisions. Um, and I find that a lot of people in your position at other brands, it seems like you get it, but a lot of other people in your position a lot of times are worried about the KPIs and the metrics versus legitimate engagement, right? And, and saying like, hey, we have somebody like Astali or, you know, Fantastic Negrito, who's amazing. I saw him in New York. Um, and, and we have somebody like this, and we want to engage with them for a year. 
well, you know what I mean, and, and built like that. James, can you talk a little bit about with o o Obey Your Thirst, or uh, I'm probably saying it wrong, but um, can you talk a little bit about that and and how you, because it seems like you guys have an ongoing thing, right, from the, the, the lyrics on the can to Drake's initial engagement, J. Cole. So you guys are building now over time, and I think, you know, to that point, I don't know if you guys are launching an actual music platform versus just, you know, doing the, the hey, we're going to roll out some marketing and stuff like that. But it seems like you guys get it a little bit in saying, like, all right, we're going to engage over time with these people. Um, and, and, like, are, are the artists, because these are known artists now, so you're not necessarily breaking them, but are you guys working with anybody on the emerging side um, to, to elevate that platform, to elevate your own platform? Yeah, sure. So I'm going I'm to back up a little bit to go forward. Yeah. Um, so... There's, there's a couple of insights that uh, you know, I kind of uncovered when I first came on. They've been uncovered. These are pretty much known. Music sells everything but music, right? So labels don't have as much money for artists. You know, artists are being broken quicker. Brands have money. Right. It doesn't take a, you know, doesn't, you don't have to go a long way to kind of see that, you know what, artists want to work with brands because we have money and we have the opportunity and the availability to kind of get you out there, right? Because we pay, we buy tons of media every year. So that's, you have that opportunity there. Um, so now that we know that, you know, our core consumers, which may be wh whoever it is that we're trying to reach, uh, let's say it's young people, right? Like young people that look like the folks in this audience. Um, how best to reach them? We know hip hop is the most popular music genre in the world. Um, Spotify did a report and found out actually if you look at the most listened to genre in the world, it's hip hop. They analyzed over, I don't know, like seven billion tracks or something like that. We know hip hop is huge, but people still have confusion in how do you play in hip hop. Because in hip hop, it's very easy to do it wrong. And right. I've seen countless brands do it wrong. Facts. So if I want to back up a little bit and tell you how to do it right, okay, this is gonna this might take a little bit, but just trust me, follow me on this. For the brand sides, any good brand or product really is about two things. You give some, all consumers something to buy, like for instance, it could be a Sprite, it could be whatever it is, and something to buy into. The buy into part is the highest emotional, be uh, uh, emotional benefit your product gives. On Sprite, that would be the idea of being true to yourself or being your thirst, or inspiring young people to find their true self, right? So once I have that, then I need to look within hip hop, because hip hop is broad. You don't just play within hip hop. And I look at a segmentation within hip-hop. The way that I segment hip-hop in my mind from a corporate uh, perspective is I look at all the way from hardcore, and you might have somebody like, or you can have uh, somebody like NWA on this side, all the way to pop, and maybe Pharrell lives on this side. In the middle somewhere, there's this place I call progressively conscious hip-hop, right? Um, artists that fall within that space back in you know, my day, I'm a little older, might be somebody like a common, right? Might be somebody like Taleb Kweli. Today, it might look like Kendrick. It might look like J. Cole. Um, it could have been like somebody like Tupac. Um, so for the Sprite brand, I first said, here's what my brand stands for, this idea of inspiring and enable people to be true to themselves. Within hip hop, there's this space of progressively uh, conscious hip hop that makes the most sense to my brand. So now I have a strategy within music in terms of how I should sound. And then I take that, and then I layer an idea after that. I think a lot of times we rush to the ideas or the activations or, or the endorsement. Yeah. But you first have to understand what your brand stands for, how you fit into hip hop, organically and authentically. And then once you find that space, the ideas will spin off. So for us, the idea that spin, spun off was, if we're about this idea of being true to yourself, man, what if we could have artist lyrics that embody that idea of being true to yourself with artists that fit in this progressively conscious space and then had put those on our cans. And you know what that can make us? And I worked at General Mills for a while. They own Wheaties. We could be the Wheaties box of soft drinks for today's youth. That was the idea in my head, because I remember I had a Wheaties box when I was 13 with Dan Marino on it. What was, what was the marketing objective in that, in saying, hey, we're going to put these lyrics on this can? Well, the marketing objective, so our can I mean, does it, does it affect sales, or was, you know what I mean, what was the objective that, or was you just always wanted to do some cool shit? Like, oh, what? so, no, 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 so the, so the objective is always to drive cases. Right. To be, like, to, if, if any brand tells you anything besides the idea that they need to drive cases, or you need to prove out that you can drive cases with whatever you're selling, or if it's a service, then they're lying to you. I think the problem is, and you, you start to get into that, why can't we work with artists on the longer term? You can, All but right. you have to have a very strong learning plan in the background, and if you can't tie it to cases, it'll eventually get cut. I guarantee it. That's why we put the lyrics on the exact But what the, see, that's my challenge. Why not, why just uh, immediately tie it to a KPI cases, yep. all right? And a KPI is a key performance indicator for people that don't work in marketing. Um, and you gotta love marketing people. They just, they just have all this jargon that normal people, yeah, I did, I did. <laughs> um, so, you know, why, why look at cases immediately versus cases down the road? 
You know what I mean? So if you have great engagement, right? If you're doing something that's dope, ultimately, if you're communicating with somebody, then they're ultimately going to buy your product versus saying like, hey, here's a Sprite can. Nas is near lyrics. Buy it, please. Yep. Buy so, it. No. So I'll tell you a couple things. One is I get it. Right. I live within a space in marketing where there's like seven of me. Right. Right. It, 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 so a so slow, small seven. And when you get up to the senior leaderships at companies, they don't get they this don't. space. They don't. Right. So. The easiest way to get selling a longer term strategy is to find a way to sell to tie it to cases. That doesn't mean you can't immediately build. tie it to cases. Oh yeah, or you or the another way into it is you look at the I call the metrics brand love. Like, is my brand cool? Uh, am I always doing new things? There's different metrics like that that you can kind of correlate directly to consumption of your products. Then you can, I can go back and say as long as this product moves the needle on this idea of being cool or being new then it's something that's worthwhile doing. And if this is one of those ones where I just want to make sure this is, folks are kind of hearing this when you talk to brands. Because um, I have probably everyone's manager you could ever think of has called me um, and, and asked me about Sprite or, or you know, et cetera. If you don't start with an, a way that you can tie it to cans, it won't last. So the way you get to longevity, because brand mar uh, marketers move every two to three years. Right? So by the time this thing is thought of and gets out the door, I'm almost out the door. Right. I'm not even on Sprite anymore. You might not have known that. I've, I've already moved on to a, a global role at Coke. So in order to have success and sustainability, you have to have it tied to the KPI. But I, people think that you tie it to cases, that means it can't be authentic. That's not true. You, it can be authentic. You have to build that in. But if you don't build it into cases, trust me, it's never going to last. And if there's so many cases of these one-offs, it's because they weren't able to prove out the internal business case, and senior leaders are going to kill it. Right. I mean, you know, marketing is a revolving door. I think, you know, somebody here on, the, on, the, on in this conversation, Bijan, lends a very, very interesting perspective, right? Being being a senior level marketing exec now, but then also coming from the artist side and being an artist in the form of being a photographer, right? Not necessarily being a, a musician or a rapper or anything like that. But you've obviously elevated the work, the body work that you've created as an artist and 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 parlayed that into to uh, a role on the business side so for you when you were emerging as an artist like what was the importance when you did stuff with the loonies and uh, like when you got to do the faders and you got to do the source magazine double xl like what was the importance and those were brands in themselves right so for you what was the importance of working with a brand to help elevate your work you know to essentially and and at a point right you get broken right break broke whatever the, the tense is right you, you break um so for you what was that importance and you know now you sitting on the business side did you find challenges that, that some of these top level marketing execs like that they did not get what you were trying to do and it's a little different because you were in photography versus well, music I think, but i think coming seeing both sides of the spectrum initially from being a photographer to managing and consulting talent that won grammys and have sold 18 million records or whatever i come from a different background and i have a different perspective but i will say three quick things in cliff notes kind of to touch base on what everybody set up here is a is a talent either you're an asset or you're a liability to the brand hands down right. i don't like when my phone rings at four o'clock in the morning because somebody who I'm courting or having conversations with about representing my brand end up going to jail or make TMZ. Doesn't make me look good because at the right. end of the day, I'm sitting in the hot seat. So I think A, keep That's your, internal branding on the artist side. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying it correlates across yep. the board because at, at the end of the day, somebody gets a timeout then I'm eventually I'm going to get the time out, right. you know, so do you know whoever we sit down with and we break bread with historically from boost perspective has been is that boost has always stood up for action sports and artistry hip hop. You recall 2004 was the hip hop anthem number one. Where are you at? Kanye, where are you at? Kanye was nobody. Game was nobody. Ludacris was a local hometown hero, and I'm happy to see him succeed. So when you look at a brand like Boost that's always played within that same sandbox and has never left or turned its back on the community, whether it was Rock Core or whether it was Rock the Bells, we constantly look to ingrain and support the communities that have supported us, whether it's giving back to the community, giving back to even cause marketing is something we can touch base on here too by reaching out to the troops and the disabled veterans that have came home. So I think I can't speak 
from a legacy perspective of Boost, Boost has always been within that lane and has always been on the on the forefront of that. And going back to what you asked about being able to support artists from day one, initially, for me personally, there's a process where I want to sit down and break bread. I want to know who your neighbor is, who your crazy cousin is, and we're going to go out four nights in four random cities to see how you get down. Because the last thing I'm going to do is want to look for a new job because you didn't, you know, somebody on your squad's a liability. So I think there's a process to it, but then going back to supporting an artist, ideally we could sit in a room all day and come up with 13 different colored crayons and markers and come up with some ideas, right. but at the same time it doesn't come off authentic and genuine if you as an artist doesn't bring something new and creative and dope to me, right? Because then we can work on it together collaboratively and then we have that extension. So the content is organic, the branding is organic. You're winning, I'm winning, the brand's winning, and most importantly, at the end of the day, everybody wins, and in the long run, you're being positioned as a great brand ambassador for my brand. Why, why isn't it always, you know, when we see some, you know, bigger sort of campaigns and things like that that happen, you know, why isn't it positioned as being a brand ambassador and really integrating this creative or this artist into the brand versus just saying, like, all right, we're going to give you this bag for six months to, you know, make a couple Instagram posts, come to our parties, um, you know, you're going to be on a couple of our ads. You know what I mean? Why isn't it, to your point, a value add? You know, when I look at how I work with artists um, and creatives of any different discipline um, and, and I work with brands, you have to figure out, in my opinion, how you can create value on both sides. You know, and that's that's kind of where I set out with my consultancy in the middle is saying, having had experience on the agency side and understanding that agencies and companies and brands want to work with creatives, but a lot of times they don't know how to do it. They're like, hey, all right, um, we want to do this music thing. We need somebody popular. We have one million to spend. Uh, let's do this and let's let's give this money. Let's give it to J. Cole. All right, cool, and then he's just gonna do it, right? And J. Cole is a, is a bad example because he's, from a brand perspective, he's you know, uh, very he's a good artist. He doesn't have any like drama or anything happening like that. But like, why give that one mil to J. Cole when you can split that up with ten different artists over time, and give you know, and give a hundred k to ten different artists and say, all right, cool, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be our music person in this vertical. You're gonna be our music person in that vertical, and then and then you find the value. Versus just saying, here's a bag, we need you to help us raise brand awareness and push cases. You, why, why, why aren't those sort of things happening? Why aren't, why aren't brand, and, and Dan, I mean, you can chime in, because I'm sure you guys, yeah, on the media I, side, you guys well, sit in the middle. I think, um, I'm thinking more of it from even a management perspective, being an artist manager, and I, I, I can see it from both sides. And I think it's kind of like what you're saying is that some of the bigger companies are shying away from that because they're afraid of potential liability. So like the one-off is a safer play. Whereas like there's still smaller companies that are doing stuff like you're talking about where they're getting people on board to be ambassadors and maybe it's easier for them to take the risk or they're not looking at it as a risk because they are smaller companies. So the alignment for them is, a, is more valuable um, whereas for some of the bigger companies, they don't necessarily need that, you know, constant alignment. But then it's that point, if you don't need that constant alignment, then, you know, I'll give an example. Um, if you don't need that constant alignment, you're always competing versus being a thought leader or being a leader, right? You're being a follower. So if you guys don't take this risk and Pepsi decides to take the risk, now you're looking at, you know, that's your competitor in the category. So now you're like, damn, Pepsi just did this. What, like? We gotta catch up, you know. Like risk versus reward is a new ROI. Yep. You know that's that's the KPI versus versus the boxes versus the cases that you're pushing versus the product. The product is gonna be sold over time, but why not? You know why not take a risk? And you know to the point, and it has to be a calculated safe risk. You know I'm not I don't want to sit here in town like you guys to just be jumping out the plane and going and get somebody that's doing a lot of coke in the bathroom and gets arrested and is on TMZ and stuff like that. But you know being able to jump out the and say hey all right we're gonna we're gonna spend this money we're gonna do this and really believe in it and foster a relationship versus just here's a bag, do this for us. I 
to go first. Well, right? I, I, I'll, I'll make it quick too. So what I would say on the Sprite side is we also work with Vince Staples. We've been working him for, yeah. for a while. So I talk about Obeyerverse, but you're only seeing like the tip of the iceberg. That's where we spend a lot of our money because I need a big over-the-top initiative that I can spread mass. But that doesn't mean we don't have programs that I would call sub-mass, right? So we work with artists like Vince Staples. I work with Isaiah Rashad. I've worked with a bunch of, you could call it more that middle tier of kind of artists as well. Um, you know, and, and Sprite's been with hip hop since the 80s. If people don't remember some of the commercials we've done back in the day, when we actually did that commercial with Drake, Drake wasn't, people were mad. They were like, wow, with, the, with his face popping off. Yeah. People were like, like, well, why does Drake get this shot? Then we kind of, you know, Nas, we had Nas on a stupid in 1997. But what I'm most proud of, and I'll talk about today, and this is something that's not necessarily won't see on the news, and actually, uh, uh, Fader will have a piece coming out soon, is we have a new program called Lyricism 101. Mm -hmm. So along, I have this idea of inspire and enable. Inspire is obey a verse. Right. I can inspire you through iconic legends. At the, at the bottom of there is how do I enable the next generation? So I had this idea that, man, what if hip hop had a, had a little league? What would that look like? What if hip hop had a place where young people could go and express their true selves? They don't feel like they need to be overly misogynistic. I don't need to talk about drug references. I don't need to try to sound like. Like a legitimate sort of community and like what Noriega talks about in Drink Champs. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> exactly, like, like a real community. Yeah. Um, so I partnered with the Boys and Girls Club, who's the largest youth serving organization in the country. We created this program called Lyricism 101. Okay. Uh, we piloted it this summer and 6,000 kids are involved in that program now that basically allows them to learn how to freestyle cypher, how to write rhymes, um, how to be creative, and then we're flying the winners out here to Atlanta. We actually already did this this past summer. Um, so they could come out to Tree Sound Studios here locally in Atlanta and uh, sit down with some Grammy-nominated producers, right. um, and, you know, et cetera. So, and we're working to see what we can do with that program moving forward. So don't, don't get it twisted. You can't just be on top. I think you were, you, what you were alluding to is you can't just live up here because right. hip-hop is on the streets. Hip-hop just isn't way up here in the clouds with Drake and Nas. And to be honest, when you're trying to market a product or you're, to be honest, you're trying to make true impact in the community, you have to have what I call like, what, you know, one feet and, you know, kind of in the suite and one feet on the streets. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, and our feet on the and street. And that's how you engage better. And that's exactly. And that's so to me, that's the authentic impact I can have is how can I aspire the next generation to be true to them, to their true voice. Um, all while helping the, the Boys and Girls Club keep teens in the clubs, which we know when teens are in the clubs, uh, they're having positive outcomes for their for themselves. So. Okay. John, Bijan, I know you guys have some, some thoughts. I just wanted to say that if you look at the current business model now of hip-hop and what it has changed to, I'm from the second generation of hip-hop, right? So when I bought the album or the CD, I'd flip through all of it. In the digital age, the phone, we provide cell phone service. Everybody uses up as much content. And in this day and age, talent seems to switch out every four to six months at somebody new. You might have the top five, ten guys. Right now, maybe you're a double XL freshman class. Somebody like that, that'll be mainstays for the next four, five, six years. But if you look at what's currently happening within the space, people are getting burnt out on music. We used to buy CDs and listen to the album for two, three months, vibe to it and discuss it amongst ourselves. Now in the digital age, content is consumed and what might be a banger last Thursday doesn't mean shit on Sunday. Right. And so that turnaround time. The culture has ADD. It is. And it's across the board, whether it's social media or computers or whatever. I'm not going to play the blame game, but I'm just saying that the landscape is different. So you could put your, you could check the pulse on somebody and three weeks later, they might not be relevant. So going back to your question, and this is not to spar with you. I'm just no, bringing up it. the point of what's changing. <laughs> friendly, friendly. Friendly. It's all love. But why it's difficult to hang your hat on somebody now and fingers, legs crossed that you can retain that relationship for 18 months. It could work because it would benefit both parties, but at the same time, relevancy is also key. So that goes back I to mean, the well, long-term build. Looking at the title of the, the, the panel and looking at the title of the conversation, Brands Breaking Artists, you know, remaining that, maintaining that relevancy over time, you know, I think is an accountability thing on both sides. You know what I mean? So if the artist isn't doing something that is going to keep them relevant and pop, popping and and what's happening now and there's a number of things that you can go down the sound production there's you know you can just run down the list but at the same time if you're working with a brand and this brand is paying you why isn't the brand helping with your relevancy and that's my point in saying like you know why is it just take this bag and do it versus 
longer term partnership engagement and seeing this person as a partner versus just a contractor hey take the bag do what we say peace out and just to get back to that like i think there are brands that are doing that for sure they're going to sit down with the artist come up with a game plan what do you got going on over the next sure. months or whatever and then let's synergize let's come up with some you know co-branded releases or whatever you know i think it just depends on the company and kind of like what their game plan is. western digital has done it and um who, who did the thing with kitty cash and jesse uh we transfer we transfer did it and you know i think that that's dope right because and i don't know if you guys are familiar with some of these names but these are more emerging artists so kitty cash is a dj jesse boykins a third is a r&b soul alternative like well, like I did, artists. I did a deal with Stance, the sock company with Stally, where he was the first rapper signed to them, and we did a three-year deal. Right. And there was different touch points. There's different. Like, so can you talk a little bit about that process? Can you talk about what the engagement was? Was and not the process of what the de how you broke the deal, yeah. but the process of how the relationship matured, and and if it lasted for the, for the three years, how that you know I mean maintained most, over time, and most, what what you guys got out of it, like you know you being brand Stally's relationships manager. where there's some sort of product involved usually starts with the product meaning that the artist has to show some sort of affinity for the product that's authentic and then the conversation begins well you know how do they use this product what do they like about it and then kind of like goes from there how it fits into their lifestyle because we're talking right. about lifestyle marketing so I think that's usually where the conversation begins and then just kind of figuring out naturally what makes sense from there. How did that how did that relationship work out for you guys? Did you guys I mean, keep he, it for he's three? He's still years? releasing socks with them. His last one sold out. Um, you know, it's something that he really wears, you know, all the time. So now have it, they it have sense. they facilitated in his artistry and in his music and saying like, hey, we're we're working and you don't work with Sally anymore, right? I, I do. Oh, you still do um, but basically the way that they've supported him is by providing him like promotional opportunities where yeah. they're kind of like pushing his music or whatever he has going on or just synergizing like they did a sock for his album release where they did an event in ohio yeah which was where he's from his like core market so basically they enabled him to do like a release event for his album along with the co-branded merchandise so for him that was like a really valuable touch point i mean do you see can you see brands essentially to you you just kind of touched on a bunch of different things right i think that are dope looking at the age of artists and music now right like nobody you know, creating a record deal like people want to get that because of the help with some of the distribution um but a lot of times artists don't have creative control and there's a number of just reasons artists yeah. want to remain independent. So do you think brands, in addition to serving as A&Rs, like could they help with the distribution? Is that the direction I mean, that they're happening. going in? You know, Red Bull's releasing music. Red Bull's um, a very unique situation and they, they get it. And they, they're, they're BitTorrent is actually releasing music with artists where right. they're being the distributor. Um, so there's definitely case studies where brands are doing that. They're looking at it as a marketing play. They're driving traffic to their sites, and I think that's, you know, the, the value that they get out of it on the marketing side. I think it's a great thing from an artist side. Agreed. You know, I wish all my artists had deals like that, but, you know, it's not a lot of brands that are playing in that sandbox, but I hope to see more and more. Yeah, I mean, John, do you guys see yourself heading in that space? And even and even James, like, you know, I, I, I've, I've done some work with Pepsi. Um, so, you know, I know that Pepsi has, they have a platform, they just released an emerging musician pl platform. And, you know, I, can't talk about a lot of this stuff, but you know they're doing they're doing activations, and you know that everybody does activations. So, um, you know, are you, is that a space you see each of you guys respectively on the brands like what this was? So you guys are now, but John, like right, you guys are you guys are giving artists this grant, right? It's a contest. Um, you know, are you guys going to help them now with the distribution? Are you guys going to be? the people to, to help with some of the marketing. You know what I mean? Because if you look at a label, traditionally that's what they've done. They've helped with the development, they've helped with the marketing, they've helped with funding the studio sessions. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure that that could be valuable for you guys. Is that something you guys see happening in the future? Yeah, there's no doubt that to us has been the natural evolution of where we want to go, is to be able to get into that much, much more. Um, right. It makes sense on a branding side, it makes sense on a marketing side, it makes sense on how you engage your consumers, uh, and it helps with the artists. Um, and then again, you talk about, uh, 
And I hope you guys know the questions you're asking are really relevant. I mean, they're, they're really very well thought out. Thanks. They really are. And, and for emerging artists who are in this room, um, uh, you know, the advice James gave, Bijan gave, Dan gave, 100% correct. If it's not moving the needle, if something isn't selling, something gets canceled. And the other important point that was made, I hope you guys caught on to, because it should influence your relationship with brands, is give them a product, and then how do you have an emotional connection with the consumer? All right, that's how you move as an artist from a transactional relationship, which is the first step of any business relationship. So me as a marketer, I have a transactional relationship to begin with with our retailers, 7-Eleven, right? You start off, you have a transactional relationship. Move up that trajectory of relationship and get to where you're actually helping with organizational goals. Then you become a preferred resource for that brand. Exactly. Think about Sprite. That's my right? business model. Sprite, an older brand. Swish is 150 years old. I mean, <laughs> this is not a new brand. But how do you reinvent it? Sprite, I don't know how old it is, but it's only 50. <laughs> you know? Obey your verse, boy, put a whole new spin on it. So when you start talking about how you're going to engage with brands, where are you on this transactional sort of trajectory, I like to call it? You know, you either are coming to me and saying, give me $5,000 and put up a poster at my tour, or you're coming to me and saying, I've seen your artist project. I see you do granting, you do an academy, you have C-store sessions, yo, you're doing A3C and South by Southwest. Here's what I'm bringing to you. I've got 150,000 followers. I've got a huge base in the Southeast. I know you're trying to launch a product called Goodies in New Orleans. I went to LSU. Important stuff. It sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, the geo-focused approach, you talked about national scale with Sprite, very important also. But start to understand your relationship with the brand and how what you can bring, and you will move up that ladder with the brands. And I'm going to tell you, you right touched, now. You I'm touched just, on something. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Because most marketers, you know, don't know how to do digital, don't know how to do social, and don't know how to do web yet. You throw them in front of TV ads, radio ads, billboards, they can give you all the KPIs they want. We really don't know what's driving digital and social yet. We had experience. Uh, well, you, you hope so. I mean, you know. No, it's, it is. I mean, but it's so hard to sit there as you know. You were talking about senior leadership. We all have boards of directors who we deal what's with. Like, you a, say, for example, so in New York, right? There's a bunch of Dan knows this. He's been to all these spaces because I've seen him. Cadillac is doing it. Pepsi's now done it with Cola House. Samsung has done it with A37. You have to create experiences for people where you're not selling anybody the product, but you're having them buy into the brand. I go to Cadillac House all the time and work from there and have meetings, and only thing I can buy is some coffee, and I might can go in the back and get get some if I want to buy clothes because they have a fashion installation in the back right. with Timo Whalen. But I'm not, and they have the cars there. I can't buy the car, and that's at the base of their headquarters. I go to Samsung A37. I can't buy any of those phones, and I don't want to because they're going to blow up in my pocket, um, and it's the, it's green bubbles. Um, but then, you know what I mean? That you, you experience the virtual, you, you get a chance to experience the brand versus just saying like, and then that, and that, and that's my point in saying like, over time, this is good. This is going to translate into the cases that you want. This is going to affect your bottom line over time. You build this brand loyalty, you build this customer loyalty, and this ha and so within the music space. You guys have done it. Vitamin and Coke is uh, vitamin water is part of Coke. Um, vitamin water did it. I think it was with the Fader last year, and they had Chance in New York. Fader, yeah, it was like a small like concert series. I forgot what it was called. It was right by right, right across from Soho House. Dan, I probably saw you there too. Flavors. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was a series of concerts for like a week. I know it closed out with Chance the Rapper, Tokyo, and uh, Willow Smith. Um, so, I, you know, that's an experience, right? You have the bottles there. I get a chance to drink vitamin water, but they're not selling it to you. You know, why not that route versus? And then you touched on something that I actually really think is important, uh, especially for any of the emerging artists here. Why? And, and I struggle with this because to me, I look at the craft and the artistry um, and the creativity versus the social following. So how important is somebody's social following for you guys? You said 150,000 followers. How important is that versus somebody that's just, that's just dope and gets it and has a great product as, a, as an artist or as a creative, as a musician? Because, you know, my Instagram's not popping, but I'm doing some dope shit. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll jump in here. So I'm going to answer that last and kind of go backwards. Because I just looking around in the room, if there's any like either managers or inspiring artists, just want to kind of give you guys some tips and thoughts directly. OK? Um, I've been very impressed with probably 5% of the people who call me. 
because um, they call me and they always say the same thing. I have a tour going on. I'm getting ready to put an album out. We should work together. Or they'll say, I have a million followers. At the end of the day, to be honest, I don't really need your million, because Sprite is, is super big, right? Sprite is, you know, the, I think they, they ranked it in the number 86 brand. It was number 86 on the total global brands in the world, right? It's, it's a huge brand overall. Um, what you need to do is do your, do your homework. So before you call me, I think you were just kind of alluding to the same thing, before you call me, understand what I'm selling. Look at the past commercials for that brand. What does that brand really stand for? How does that align to you? What does that mean to you? Um, did they just launch some new innovation products in the marketplace? Get to know the brand a little bit before you have that conversation. And then the conversation switches to, hey, I see you guys are, uh, are launching LeBron's mix. Oh, that's really cool. You know what, that, that ties to music or my brand in this way. I'm actually from Akron. Or find a tie or find a way to tie yourself into the brand. It's I just like a job it. interview. It is a job interview and most managers fail it. And these, I'm talking about managers from like your favorite art, the yep. biggest artists in the world are just not good at it. Best manager I've ever met who's, who does this really well is uh, one of the best, is Anthony, who manages Nas, um, also does some stuff with Future. Um, is probably one of the most buttoned up management uh, managers I've ever worked with. And there's no, if you look at how many times we've worked with Nas, and to be honest, Rakim's camp is pretty uh, tied, uh, you know, buttoned up as well. Um, it's because the management, A, gets things done. So this, these are just the tips. If you're managing an artist or you're an artist and I call you and I need something and you get me back to me a week later, I'm never talking to you again after this contract's done. Timing is important. Timing I is used to manage as well. You, you get it. So I mean, yeah. so I expect that, um, to be honest, within, especially if you're an emerging artist, within 24. 30, 24 hours, 36 hours, I should have a response back, the picture I need, some options, time on your calendar. That's the manager's job. A lot of times the manager will get caught up in all the other stuff. And, and not get caught up in kind of the details of the brand relationship. So that's one. Second one, if you have a contract, read it. Know it by heart. I shouldn't have to tell you what you owe me or explain it to you. That's where people like case. Dan come in. Exactly. So like, I'm just trying to go down the list. And you guys might experience some of these things at some point. So then the, the last thing I would say that's a, you know, a kind of another pet peeve of mine is uh, if you're working with the brand, right, go above and beyond. Know what's in your contract, but find something else to do. So the artist that we've worked with, man, for a long time is Vince Staples. One, I think he's really, really dope. He's one of my favorite artists, personally. Um, but secondarily, he's always finding ways to like authentically integrate the brand, which is a brand he already had affinity for in his natural conversation. But I think that goes on the brand side, too. Because when I used to manage, so I didn't manage any music artists. I used to manage a couple, a lifestyle brand, uh, a photographer, and a chef. And the lifestyle brand I managed they, I literally, they were my friends before we worked together. They literally grew their whole brand on their own. So they were already popping. I just helped them elevate it. And now people are like, hey, what are they doing now? They're getting checks. <laughs> they're on retainers. That's what they're doing now. Just because they're not on Instagram doesn't mean that they're not popping. And I've seen, and I think they're close to like 100,000 or something like that. So, you know, what I've seen in the past and even doing deals like that is a lot of times that the brands will come and say, all right, we need 10 Instagram posts and da 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 and this and that, versus lowering it. A perfect example is this, and this brand I used to manage is called Street Etiquette. They're a lifestyle brand. They used to be fashion bloggers, and now they're, they're getting checks from Adidas, Starbucks, the U.S. Open, like big checks, and I've helped facilitate some of those deals initially. Um, and and we, did, we went to New Orleans and did a, um, uh, we worked with the Board of Tourism for Follow Your NOLA dope campaign they want us to come down there and shoot content and create it and they asked us for like four instagram posts a day and me knowing the guys on a personal level i was just like hey josh is not if you box josh into wanting to make these four instagram posts a day he's not going to do it you might get one so what i did was i ha i lowered it and said hey can we just do one a day and what i and what they got out of it, they got like 10 a day yep. so why not go that route versus, you know what I mean, to your, because I think you have a valid point in how you work with Vince, and I think that there, you know, it has to go back as well within the procurement of the creative talent and finding people that are actually going to use the product that you guys have, whatever it may be, whether it's a soda, <laughs> whether it's a tobacco product, a phone, whatever, you know, a, a gear, you know what I mean? You can't just put something in somebody's hand and because they're an artist and you have the leverage because you have the money to pay them, you can assume that it's gonna make sense. Yeah, and what, so a couple things I'll add. So I'm talking a lot about tips to, in how to work with brands. That, which um, is amazing, thank you. Yeah, 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 but what goes under the, so we also do a ton of that. So when, for instance, when we first sat down with, you know, artists like 
a Drake or a J. Cole, like we go to their house. Like we go to where they are, we, we, this is what, how we want to work together, let's form a partnership. We do the same thing when we work with artists, even like a, like a, like a Vince Staples, like, what are you working on? What are you currently doing? How can we help? So those partnership conversations do happen with pretty much all the artists we work with, um, whether that's, you know, whether it's Tupac has a movie coming out or he's doing something at a museum, or it's like, no matter who we work with, you always have that conversation up front. What I would tell folks is be ready with your, your asks and your integrations and have them well thought out ahead of time. That's the easiest way to work together. So what I'm saying is by doing these few things of like getting, me, getting back to me on time, over delivering your contract, that's gonna make people more open to having those conversations, because if you don't, it's not me. So a lot of people will look at the market or they'll look and say, you know what, man, I'm working with that market and they, all they care about is getting what's in the contract. So every company has, whether it's a legal or they have a business affairs department or there's different departments within them that go back to the contracts, look, at, look over each single deliverable and then they see exactly what was executed. And then they can calculate a value for that deal. That's void of anything culturally, anything that I can't quantify. So when I, when I say that if I don't get what's in the, at least in the contract, that it's like, yeah, you did some other cool stuff and there's maybe an authentic relationship, but I have people that I have to go back to and then say, man, he didn't give me what I needed. So not only did you spoil that opportunity, it's like, man, I can't do anything else with you because they're saying I didn't get the value. The next person who comes in, when you're not responsive, I can't do something with someone else now. You don't, you don't know how many times I've been spurned or burned by huge artists, I'm not gonna say who, um, and then next time a hip hop artist comes to like, we're not messing with him, no. It's fact, so, so for you, James, punctuality, find the value add, um, pay attention to detail. And know what you want, so if you want a partnership, like bring that to the table in a way that's integrated and thought through. And that's the value add, that's figure out the value and add. And time. And you, punctuality. You know, no, I'm saying in terms of planning. Right. You know how many times I get an email or a phone call, we're going on tour in two weeks, can you shoot me $100,000? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because, you know, it's one thing if we're giving away socks and shoes, it's, it's another true. thing if, you know, we have people we have to report to too, but at the same time, it falls back in line with the strategy of what the brand believes, what the artist is trying to accomplish, and really, if we're gonna build a partnership, let's build it together and give us some time to really think it through, and more importantly, being able to implement it. Okay, you, uh, so, so that, James, that, that and, James and Bijan did it, so, because I wanna open it up for like a, two questions. Can Dan and, and John, can you touch on, to their points, the things that you think are important for artists to look out for, and I'll let you finish your thought as well, and just kinda, you know, how, an artist can engage with a brand and the important, you know what I mean? Like how a brand, how you guys are engaging and just kind of what you look for as well. Yeah, well, as I previously said, I mean, that whole discovery phase of how you go from that transactional relationship to something much more engaged with an organization is critical. Um, and you were talking about that discovery phase about how do you, you know, wh what are you trying to do as a brand? Where are you trying to go? Um, understanding the brands. Um, and I'm going to give you an example of what happened last week. We did our last pack night. And this is the example of understanding a brand and not understanding a brand. Um, one of the performers there in her sound check, she brought up two underage uh, backup dancers. Now, tobacco company, right? The key of this program is to develop experiential content that we can put out so people can enjoy it and see something that they weren't able to attend. That's really the goal of all of our live performances. We want something we can take away. So she brings up two underage dancers into a nightclub and bar. <laughs> you can't use them. They can't use them in my videos because of regulations, and the bar won't let them in. So they're gone. Now she changes her set because she does not backup dancers. Well, guess what I don't have the rights to? Her new songs. So I completely cannot use all of that content I shot. To your point, we're not using her again. Another young man who was there on stage came up the next. Um, banker by day, very funny, uh, mortgage banker with Bank of America. At night, he becomes the character of, the, you know, the, the artist. Knew our product, knew what we were doing, knew where we were trying to go, talked about his role and where he sees himself potentially engaging with us over the next 12 months. Um, talked about new product development that he and his friend, <laughs> he and his friends liked. Some I liked, you know, some maybe not. But it doesn't matter, it shows me he's thinking. And he's thinking about the brand, he's thinking about it in a way that really could be helpful. So he is someone, you know, who could show up at South by Southwest with us. You know, we, if we ever go back there again, I would definitely use him again. But, you know, the point is there are ways to kind of get that He paid attention to detail. He was on time and he added value. He, a lot of value. James touched on it. James, uh, Dan, close us out. Yeah, and for us uh, at Complex, we work with every genre of talent. So it's not just music. It's visual artists, photographers, um, actors, comedians, 
athletes. We're all over the place. So we're really the intermediary between our clients who are guys like, you know, John, Bijan, and James, and uh, the talent. So I think for us, it's similar to these guys. We want people who are going to respond quickly. We're going to do what they said they were going to do and they signed up for. We're very transparent when we're, you know, reaching out to talent about what a campaign is going to be. You know, if people have any questions, they obviously can ask, but we try and be as transparent as possible because, again, we're the intermediary. We have to satisfy our clients. So if they want X, Y, and Z, that's what it is. Um, so it's just, you know, doing what is asked and hopefully going over and above, but, you know, that's not really our, our deliverable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's like a job. If you get contracted by a brand to do something, you know, and if you're excited about it, why not, you know, give it an extra thing. Um, real quick, does anybody have any questions or things you guys want to talk We don't have a lot of time, uh, but I did want to open it up. Um, so I'm going to take Sure, yeah, I'm going to take you right here in the front first. Hello, my name is Twisted. I'm an artist. I'm from Warner Robins, Georgia, and I currently go to Morehouse College. Um, I was wondering, I have a question, I have a question for both of you. But um, so for you, what, how, how does Swisher Sweets, how do you all combat negative things that go against you all that are actually factual, like how, how they're unhealthy? How do you all combat that and still maintain a strong brand? Well, yeah, I mean, that's been the ongoing conversation for 400 years about tobacco is should it be legal or not? And uh, it's a choice, it's all choice, adult product. If you, we don't push it on people who obviously don't use it. Our sampling is all adult sampling when we can't do it anymore. But um, it's an adult product. And feel free not to use it or feel free to use it either way. <laughs> There's not really much of a better answer. I'm sorry. I'm not being contrite. But all right. I'm going to take two more. I'm a man. For, did you have a question? Yeah. I, yeah. I was wondering, what, did you feel, what do you feel is the um, – every artist has – somewhere they can excel in a way to get to the next level mm -hmm. that um, they plan to get to. What do you feel like is the barrier in Stolly's career? And if not a barrier, what do you feel like needs to be accomplished to get him to the next, to get to that next step, whatever that may be? And if someone is I'm not really sure that uh, I want to address that in this forum, but um, maybe we can talk afterwards. <laughs> All right. Uh, you have the mic, so yeah. I'm going to go to you. And then, yeah. My question is for you, John, for what, Swisher. Um, so I'm from, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the product. I'm an artist. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. And hey, you guys are. 602. 602. I'm from yes. Chandler. Okay. All right, we'll talk later. Absolutely. But your product is huge in the Southwest and Phoenix market. You know, I'm not even sure. I, I would even maybe say it's even bigger, bigger than it is here in, in Georgia. Absolutely. Um, do you guys plan to do more initiatives with artists in Phoenix? Um, and is that something you have in mind? I see that Splitterillos is another company that does a lot of things in Arizona with artists, so I was wondering what you guys are going to do with that. Yeah, uh, Swisher is very big out west. Actually, our market share is significantly higher in the west than it is in the east. Um, and I spent 23 years living in California, so and a lot of time in Arizona. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we continue to build this out. You know, we continue to want to uh, make it better and broader and bigger. Uh, we did six of the pack nights this year, primarily uh, based in the eastern part of the country because of product initiatives. But uh, we're looking at opening that up. All of our C-Store sessions have been shot in California. Uh, and we were doing the Bardot in Hollywood. We did probably 15 events there. So we're trying to move it through. Um, and actually, you know, Randy, who's here from Brand Champions, an old Arizona guy, too. So Awesome. I, one last question. They just told me to rap. I'm not trying to get in trouble. My man right here. So, James, you mentioned uh, how hip-hop, you know, was listed number one in Spotify. And, you know, my question is more so from a market perspective. Um, you know, I have an agency, so, you know, I've had conversations with brand marketers. And one of the conversations we always talk about is how Atlanta kind of gets overlooked when it comes to brands really, you know, uh, integrating and having the presence in the market. Uh, but then you look at, like, from a hip-hop perspective, Atlanta is really has been known to be, capital for hip-hop and has been influential in that way. So like, how do you view Atlanta just as a market and how you could really you know, try to incorporate it and, and partner with that market overall and the people in that city to really continue to influence, you know, to help push your brand to other markets because it has you know, done well in the music space. That was mad shade to New York who originated hip-hop, but I'll let you answer that. 
Well, New York already gets, gets all the love. Like you mentioned, like you know, the Cadillac, you know, pop up, and you know, and, and that's a mainstay. That's not a pop up. So, but we, well, yes, it's a mainstay. We don't even see that in the Atlanta market. So, so bring it here. Well, no, I got you. But Talk to James. He Coke is based here. Not really, but I guess what, what I'm saying is like even from you know having worked with other agencies and other markets and we have conversations about even from a budget standpoint the budgets are not the same like Atlanta doesn't really get what New York gets so I'm just asking in terms of like how do you view Atlanta as an importance in pushing your brand when it's shown and proven in other ways that it's been very successful like if you see you know the Atlanta show that just came out that Charles Gambino had put out has been very successful music in general so like how do you view the market from a brand perspective I'll do it real quickly so one one I can say so I'm gonna answer it two ways one the reason why it might get overlooked at times is literally because it's a math equation so if you look at your marketing spend and I have X amount of dollars and I need to have the biggest reach my media agency who could be UM or it could be MediaVest will literally say New York LA Chicago they'll literally go down the list and give you your biggest reach so that's some that's how it gets overlooked so now I'll get into the reason why at, you know for coke we definitely make sure it doesn't get overlooked right. one this is our home so we actually usually we're gonna we're gonna spend enough in atlanta to make sure that we can own our market we don't want any competitors like kind of elbowing into this space uh, we've also done some strategic partnerships with the hawks if you've been to any of the hip-hop concert series that was here in atlanta like you know that sprite sponsored that entire uh, concert series this past year uh we've doing the boys and girls club are headquartered here as well that's how that partnership started so we do a bunch of stuff with them as well um and, and even when we do our activations like we have had activations here as well um but i mean if you want another little reason too a lot of agencies are in new york and la too and if they're going to activate some of your or test some of your ideas a lot of times it ends up being in new york and la just because those are the biggest markets and those are the easiest defaults and you're going to hit all your reach numbers i mean that's just that's like the the root numbers of it but i understand for sprite how important it is here just because right now atlanta's pretty much running in terms of sales, in terms of like uh, views and listens, hip hop. Yeah, for us, Atlanta is actually a big market. So last year, in addition to A3C, we also had uh, one of our pack night events here. I think that was when we had we had Young Jeezy at that one, right? Was that that was the event, right? It was like two nights Young before Jeezy. A3C. Well, I think that's what it was. It's a, they started to blend together after a while. But but even at even this you know this year we have a two pronged approach for Atlanta. We also own Drew Estate Cigar Company, which is a premium cigar company. It's like number three in the world in terms of sheer size. So the Acid, which is one of their biggest brands, that container is going to be throughout Atlanta for the next two months. So we're activating very hard here um, because it's kind of the crossroads for us on music and culture and a lot of what's happening in the southeast that we really like. And I think a lot of people understand it's becoming the hip-hop sort of mecca now on the east coast. Nashville is also an important city for us because it's becoming just, yeah, it is, it's, it's becoming a music center as well. So a lot of that's kind of moved out of L.A., I think. That's kind of what I've been told. Um, talk to anybody in L.A., like, no, nothing left. Yes, it has. But I agree with you in terms of not showing enough love to middle America. You know, I have people pitch me and say, hey, we're going to throw a party for 800 people in L.A. They're all key tastemakers. We're going to get them drunk, and we'll book you the talent. And I'm like, well, how does that help me? Those people probably didn't pay for their phones. They don't appreciate the experience. <laughs> they're not, truly, they're all trans plants here per se 80 percent so how do we really reach the people in the communities and in middle america that get no love so that's that's my focus for 2017 is to really figure out how we can make a solid impact in markets in the middle of nowhere america not saying they're not important they just get neglected you know where you at i remember that from <laughs> 2003 that was amazing Everybody had Nextels and, and boosts, and uh, if they didn't have if they didn't have a Nextel in college, they had a boost, but you couldn't really tell which is which because you were chirping. But um, <laughs> and that was that was all that mattered. But uh, thank you guys so much, uh, James, John, Bijan, Dan. Thank you guys for sitting sitting tight. Uh, I'm sure there's a bunch more awesome things happening. All the guys I think will be available after this if you guys want to engage and talk with them directly. And then I also have more conversation like this on my podcast. Chats with a Starving Artist. It's on iTunes. It's on SoundCloud. Um, talking to artists and creatives and also people on the brand side as well. So, uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.